Let's talk sports fans. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to, I believe this is episode eight of One on One with AP here on the Let's Talk Sports Network. I hope you guys are having a great Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, evening, whatever time of the day it is. Um, You know, if you're listening to this on Spotify, I hope you are having a great day as well. Um, you know, definitely check out the YouTube channel if you haven't. If you're on watching this on YouTube, check out our Spotify as well. Um, a lot of great stuff you can find on here, a lot of great uh content you can find. So I uh, just want to give that little promotion here. Um, before we get started, as per usual, as I always do, kind of give you guys a, a glimpse of what's gonna happen this week. Uh Tuesday, of course, is on the mat with myself and Mr. First Down, uh, with the Elimination Chamber just uh, ending a few hours ago. Uh, we'll cover that, cover for on SmackDown, of course, and uh, continue to build the WrestleMania. So it should be a fun show come Tuesday. Um, Wednesday night, it is the return of the baseball show. Uh, let's talk major baseball with myself, Jonathan Grishman, and Scott Cove. That'll be at 8 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday night. Uh, and then next Saturday, of course, will be this show, episode number nine. I uh, don't have a guest slotted just yet, but uh, hopefully we'll figure that out as the time goes on. Uh, NFC show and the Cowboy show will be taking a hiatus for a little bit until uh, the NFL draft starts to ramp up. Uh, we'll bring those back once that once that time comes around. Uh, but until then, it's baseball, it's interviews, and uh, of course, I was on in the hoop last night, uh, so definitely go check that out. Uh, but without bet, without further ado, let's bring on our guest. Uh, he's got his own uh, show, Good Teams Win, Great Teams Cover, based out of the UK. A uh, good friend of mine and uh, of the first Cowboys fan we've had on the show. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Paul Redman. Paul, what's up, man? Hey, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, all good. Yeah, um, looking forward to uh, yeah chatting. All things. Do we have to talk cowboys? I guess we do. But I yeah, mean, we kind of we kind of have to. It's 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 part of the contract. <laughs> yeah, it's what you signed up for. But that's cool. But yeah, all good here. Thanks for uh, thanks for having us on. It's good to be back on uh, the Let's Talk Sports mm-hmm. Network as well. It's, it's been a minute. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's been you know a couple of weeks since football season ended. Of course, your show you you mainly do your your show throughout the uh, football season. Good teams win, great teams cover. If you guys haven't seen that, definitely go check that out. They do a great job over there. Uh, have you thought about expanding past football season, or is it just football for right now? Um, yeah, that's a good question. So we're having a little bit of a break at the minute. Um, so I think the it's been the first full season that we've done. So we started towards the end of the 2022 football season um like week 15 16 17 and then yeah and then we've rolled all the way through from kind of pre-draft draft all the way through so it's our first year so there's a bit of just a time to take a step back have a certainly at least a few weeks away i think the plan is to have the month off and then i think we'll be back when free agency opens up um in a few weeks so when the new league year starts which is something like the 13th 14th of march we'll be back kind of shortly after that i think so mm-hmm. yeah i think we will and, and we'll have a lot of pre-draft and draft uh episodes i think we'll take it a bit easier um in the build-up to the season because we were doing two episodes a week during the season and um, 
which is a crazy amount of, of, of time. Mm-hmm. And our episodes can quite can go quite long as well. So there's a little bit of self-scouting for us to do to refine it for next season. But yeah, a, little, a break now. But yeah, certainly I think we'll be mm-hmm. back before the end of March. So, so how did the idea come to to do a show like this? Um, was it your idea? Did Dan, I know Dan pitched a lot of stuff when he brought creators on, uh, but was it something that you wanted to do personally, or was it something that you know that was just kind of brought to you and was like, hey, do you want to do this? So it was a little bit of we got going first. So yeah, I said me and me and one of my one of my friends, my good friends, like childhood friends, talked about doing something so kind of inspired a little bit by maybe some of the barstool guys like pardon my take and a little bit around kind of what mcafee and his guys were doing and it's like Mm -hmm. okay i think there's maybe a space for something not something like that because that's ludicrous but you know that style of um of, of of show geared but more for kind of you know uk orientated so i think we have in the uk a lot of you know there's a lot of different content creators right and i'm not necessarily keen on that 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 word but it's around the nfl more and more in the uk as the game's growing but i think this kind of a stranglehold might not be the, the fair word for it but the broadcaster that has um that has the the rights to show nfl in the uk a lot of it's geared around that and and just to be clear sky sports do a, a great job and i actually work for that company in my in my day-to-day job but i think there was just an opportunity to do something a little less polished if that makes sense mm-hmm. and a little bit more fan fan oriented i think what those guys do is great but i think that i you know for me and, and my friend just saw the opportunity i think we can do something a little bit different more geared to to those similar shows that i mentioned more like part of my take orientated more um mcafee orientated and, and and things like that and and we had some we have some shows not nfl shows but other sports shows in the uk that don't exist anymore that that, that, that finished that certainly inspired us so anybody anybody from the uk will know a show called soccer am which is mm. a f- football soccer based they show that, that that was on on a saturday morning ran for about 25 30 years but that used to be quite quite an iconic program mixed in things like comedy music uh, tv guests and things like that all around football so that was kind of what we were going for i think what we've landed on is something very different and um, so that i think a huge part a huge factor of what I wanted the show to be, or I wanted our, our show to be about a gambling element because that's the di- I think the differentiating factor. And mm-hmm. NFL gambling in the UK is growing, um, and it's growing so quickly. So I thought there was an opportunity for us to do that because actually those are a lot of the conversations me and my buddies have anyway around the NFL is around the gambling side of things. So mm-hmm. we bring you usual news, reviews, previews, draft, off-season content, but it's all geared with that that gambling element as well. And we had a pretty pretty successful first season as well. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to be a part of it. It was fun. I, yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it. I went 4-0, which I'm excited about. I've never yeah. I I'd never gotten a clean sweep on a, on a, <laughs> on a betting tip before, so... I'll I'll, you, I'll take that every take that win every day. Do you know who didn't go for no? This guy. <laughs> <laughs> Not at one point, eighteen weeks didn't manage to get the fourfold. Mm. But it's stuff like that that just makes it, I suppose, a little bit different, a little bit fun. Like Alan, you were one of our obviously you were, you were one of our guests and did you know did a great job. But also like we managed to get guests for all every single episode over the course of the season. So our preview show every week that we did usually dropped on a Wednesday or Thursday before the uh, slate kicked off for the NFL. We managed to get a guest every week through the playoffs, even up to the Super Bowl as well, um, which was cool. And and to kind of be able to reach out to the community, it was a mix of guys in the US, guys in the UK. um, 
and yeah, just sort of show that. So I think mm-hmm. we've got something that people do want to get involved in, which is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, to answer your original question, probably about two months in of, of us doing good teams and great teams, because that's when Dan reached out. So he must have seen it, I'm guessing, um, mm-hmm. and reached out and kind of must have thought, oh, maybe these guys can do something. Um, and then, yeah, kind of we, we we started putting a lot of the stuff on the Let's Talk Sports Network, but also running it on our side as well. Um, Dan helps us out loads with guests and set, especially things in the, um, in the off-season helps us out loads with. And we mm-hmm. wouldn't have got it off the ground as quick if it wasn't for Dan's help. So, you know, always appreciative for, for the work that Dan did for us and, and, and help because without him, we wouldn't have come as far as we, we, we have done in 12 months. Mm-hmm. He, he, that's just the kind of guy he was, you know, you know, he'd, he'd see somebody, he'd give anybody a shot if they, if they were truly passionate about wanting to do something like this. So, I mean, he, I did one show with, with Keith Angle from uh, Northeast streaming sports yeah. one time and uh, Dan Dan saw that and saw that I'd been you know commenting on every show and then he reached out and was like, hey, you want to try this? You want to try doing? This? And all I had was my cell phone. And so, you know, and, you know, he's he's been super generous to me, super generous to a lot of other people in this community for giving us the opportunity and the chance to to grow, not just the platform itself, but grow inside of ourselves and be more comfortable with what what yeah, kind of what we do so the most generous man in the world man it's crazy uh, without doubt yeah it's crazy it's also crazy like what you managed to learn doing this stuff right because mm-hmm. you know i think like i say probably last december last january when the first episode we ever did of good teams and great teams cover it was just it was me just me and i recorded it all on my phone i went back and listened to it a couple of months ago like what does it sound like it was so bad <laughs> it was awful um, but you know we've learned you know to be able to format shows to produce them to edit them and mm-hmm. and, and that, that you know it might sound easy some people some of this stuff you really have to work out and learn to mm-hmm. to make it right you know even stuff like this like your show going live like we did that for a bit and it was like so we need to be a bit more polished i think you know be a bit more just a bit slicker before we can kind of go live again but all our stuff's recorded and we don't have to edit it too much now either and that's just getting in the rhythm and the rigor of, of, of doing it mm-hmm. but without you know it's, it's not a routine that becomes stale i don't think anyway um maybe some anybody who's listened to it might be able to tell us otherwise but um <laughs> yeah you know it doesn't become stale and still fun and still engaging but yeah you learn how to do that and learn how to adapt it and, and, and keep it fresh so yeah it also helps when you have got good guys to bounce off of. I know, you know, like you said, you said you started doing it by yourself. You know, I started doing my shows by myself. I didn't really have anybody to bounce off of, you know, and then Dan put me with, you know, good friend of mine, Ashton Booker, who's a, a big name in the community. Uh, he and I, he and I kind of started at, at the same time, started our show at the same time. And uh, he was a big part of me going ahead a little bit and you know i started doing shows with scott and everybody else on lts and it got kind of got more comfortable for me to just kind of be myself so once you get that confidence level it's like it's, it becomes a breeze and and it's true i did go i do go back from time to time watch some of my old stuff and i'm like yeah <laughs> It's all part of the it's all part of the process though, right? And I think it's key to do that. And I think that's probably something that it's hard because you don't want to go listen to your own voice as well, right? Which is um, which is different. I hate I hate listening to my own voice. I hate it. <laughs> but it's all part of it's all part of that sort of that that, that self scouting piece. And and I think mm-hmm. that's important to do because otherwise, um, 
yeah, you don't kind of, you don't adapt and you don't, you don't become better. And I think that's probably the key. And I think that's something that me, Byron and Joe now as a, as a three, because that's kind of how we work our show as a three. I think it, it's so important for us to, to get better because if we just do kind of the same thing over and over again, it's going to lose its interest for us. And I think that's probably a lesson I've learned. I don't think maybe John, I don't think necessarily John Byron felt the same, felt the same way. Um, was that actually it was becoming a bit repetitive and especially because our episodes went so long like we were going an hour and a half an hour 45 minutes and i'm like if i was somebody else would i sit and listen to that if i'm you know spotify is a big uh, a big part of our view our viewership or listeners and if i'm clicking on something for the first time not knowing what i'm listening to if i see it's like two hours am i gonna do it i don't know but actually if it was like a bit snappier an hour or an hour and 15 maybe i'd be more inclined to give it a go so i think there's just some sort of things like that we need to get a little bit better at but it's all part of the process right mm-hmm. and sometimes you just it's just you know you, you just having those conversations and you just continuously talk and you know we're talking with other fans which makes this so platform so great you're it's not talking with experts or anybody who's in the media or anything like that it's just fans talking to to other fans about sports and that's kind of the vision that dan wanted was us to to come together and be united talking about sports that that was in my opinion i feel like that was his main goal was just to bring people together through talk through sports talk yeah and it's, it's so like to, to see what he, you know, when he, I think it was 2020. Yeah, it's in the logo, isn't it? Sorry, yeah. 2020 when Dan started it. Like to get to the point he, he had done. And like I say, we, you know, we were only part of it with Dan for kind of the last, you know, last six, seven months. Um, but it was still pretty cool to be involved. And I think probably what, what, what that's helped us with is create some great relationships. I think we've got, we've got, you know, good teams and great to go, although we don't necessarily have our stuff on the Let's Talk Sports Network anymore. And that's not from anything bad or anything like that. It was just kind of the way it went. And, you know, because we've got, you know, I think the NFL around the UK guys, have got the UK NFL side of things covered. And those guys, Gary, Matty, Alec do a great job. Really, you know, really, really enjoy that show. Um, and I've been on it a few times. I think you, you can, I think what you know, Tanner's point, you can't just have too many of the same shows, which is right. But I think we'll always be linked, however long good teams and great teams cover goes for, and hopefully it's a very long time. We'll always be linked to the Let's Talk Sports Network. And hopefully, you know, maybe good teams and great teams cover will be back in the future. Who knows? You don't know how things is gonna how things is gonna go. But we'll always be linked and by the relationship we had with Dan, which was a great one, and by the relationship we've got with, with, with you know, with, with lots of guys at LTS yourself, Tanner. Scott Cove, Bodkins, Johnny Cruz. I'm going to miss somebody out, and I don't mean to, but there's you know loads of loads of guys that we've got really good relationships with. That will always be, you know, want to do things with. So yeah, even though we we're not necessarily on the the network as much anymore, I think we'll always be a part of it, which is cool. Mm-hmm. So getting into getting into it now, um, you know, we've seen over the past decade really, uh, the NFL has kind of gotten garnered a huge following outside of the u.s more so now than it ha- ever has uh especially in the uk you know you kind of mentioned it earlier you know we have our you know the uk side of things you know gary alec all those guys they follow the nfl quite frankly how they're all 49ers fans i'll never understand but um you know even you know there's even jets fans and uh you know the one lone panthers fan out of the uk that i've met shout out to keg if you're watching uh and then, of course, you, my friend, are a Cowboys fan, which 
I, that that also kind of shocks me a little bit. But you know, how did how did that come to be? How did you become a cowboy fan? Yeah. So kind of. I mean, it, it it's not because of, of any particular link to Dallas or Texas or anything like that. How I came about being a Cowboys fan is when I was at, uh, in my first year at university or, or college, there was a guy that I shared a, a flat, flat with who was a big, big Eagles fan. So I tried getting into American football a couple of times beforehand, but a very British view of, oh, there's too many breaks, it's too slow, all that jazz, that sort of, which were previously a lot of criticisms UK people had about American football. Uh, but there was a Monday night game uh, Cowboys Eagles so I was like okay I'll stay up watch the game uh, watch the game with my with my friend and the game was incredible it was a shootout I'm pretty sure it was 2007 could have been 2006 can't quite remember it's one of these but it was a Monday night shootout Cowboys Eagles it was the game was just revolved around Romo and T.O. who was playing for the Cowboys at the time and McNabb and Deshaun Jackson which I'm pretty sure it's his rookie year and they just traded long touchdown pass after long touchdown pass and it ended up I think it was it was like a 41 38 game or 45 it was a crazy game and I was like right I'm hooked and just because my friend was already following the Eagles I just balanced it out watching the game by siding with the Cowboys and it stuck from there and then ever since that moment you know 16 17 years ago I've I've been a Dallas Cowboys fan ever since Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's kind of similar to (laughs) <laughs> to how I started it because uh, I started watching football, of course, when I was seven years old in the year 2000. Um, you know, my, my aunt was a big time Giants fan, big time Giants fan. And uh, it's just so happened that that year they went, made it to the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, they were playing the 2000 Ravens. And she was trying so hard to get me to be a Giants fan and, and cheer for the Giants. And it's like they got manhandled in that game by Baltimore. It was just like, I, I don't know if this is the right team for me. But then, you know, ironically, the team I first fell in love with was the the St. Louis Rams, the, the greatest show on turf. Uh, because, you know, Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce, all those guys, they were a phenomenal, phenomenal team. But what kind of got me off that team a little bit was them losing in the Super Bowl to the Patriots. So maybe had they won that game, you know, maybe I'd be a Rams fan instead of a Cowboys fan had they won that Super Bowl. But, you know, Cowboys is just kind of – Cowboys was my dad's team. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a negative way of getting into it. But I, I did want to get some support from my father. So that's part of the reason why I became a Cowboys fan. Uh, you know, in the years where, you know, they weren't that good. Troy Aikman had just retired. Michael Irvin was already gone. Emmett Smith had just been signed with Arizona. And it's like, what, <laughs> what is going on? Uh, and they were just an awful, awful team. Uh, but, you know, something about that team just kind of was like, you know what? Even though it wasn't under the best circumstances, I'm still kind of hooked on this team. I'm going to keep following them no matter what. And then they started to get better. They, you know, Bill Parcells came in and kind of helped fix the team a little bit. And then, you know, the years with Phillip, Wade Phillips, you know, you know, the years that followed, the three straight eight and eight years, even through all of that, still stayed on the Cowboys bandwagon and never left. So that's 
And it's rough. It's rough, especially when I go back and look at history, as history of this team, history of the game, you know, how good this team was back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and, you know, just kind of the struggle. This is a good team on paper. This really is. It's yeah. just they can't win the big one. That's the main flaw on, on the Cowboys for the last two decades is that they're good. They're just not great. Yeah, and I think... <sighs> I think that, you know, if we're getting to talk about the Cowboys, you know, the 2023 Cowboys and beyond, I think there's just a, an underlying grit and toughness that's missing out of the Cowboys. Um, and I think they're very much a, as you mentioned, they're a great team on paper. They've got a lot of names. Um, I think they're going, starting to go back to that typical Dallas Cowboys team we might have seen over the past 15 years. And I thought they'd started to come away from that. I've got big issues with the coach. It's crazy that Mike McCarthy's still there with, mm. you know, the resources that he's had and the talent that he's had and, and, and to, you know, to ultimately have won one playoff game in four years, four seasons isn't enough. Um, and, and yeah, I think there's just an underlying grit and toughness. They've got, you know, glaring weaknesses um, and they had, you know, from 2022 where teams in big moments ran all over them, couldn't mm. stop the run. That happened again, like in, in, in pretty much every big game against the Niners in uh, early in the season, against the Dolphins late in the year, against the Packers in the playoffs. They just teams ran all over them and they couldn't stop it. And ultimately, the Cowboys spent a first round pick um, to try and help with that in Mazzy Smith. And I think it's you know I might have jumped the gun a bit to say you know he's not gonna he's not gonna last. D Lyman might take a year or you know a year or two. But he seems on the smaller side. I don't really understand how he's going to help against the run. Um, and they, you know, they're in a getting towards a situation in 2024 and beyond. You mentioned about, you know, look, that they need to do, need to redo or, you know, give Dak a new contract and, and what the resources that's going to take up. And you've got a lot of free agents that I would assume the Cowboys want to bring a lot of those guys back. And not much room to not much room to make that happen. So, mm -hmm. and you also need new guys as well. You you, the, the, you need to do something on that defensive line to be able to stop the run. Um, I don't know what the solution is. I don't know if you go out in free agency, try and get somebody, or you try and do it through the draft, which would be the ideal route. But I think you need somebody who's going to be in a, a difference maker instantly. And I don't think you're going to get that in the draft at what the Cowboys 24, 23, mm -hmm. 24. 24 yeah i don't think you're gonna get that 24 so yeah it's a it's a big off season my, my worry is that for the cowboys 2024 could be a, a lost and a wasted season because you've got mccarthy on a bit of a lame duck last year of his contract you've just lost dan quinn um you've lost a lot of the guys actually on that defensive coaching and shout out um yeah and um, duard who's just gone to the seahawks uk guy Mm -hmm. um, you know, who's got himself a great position as defensive coordinator for the Seahawks. Um, he, I think he'll do an amazing job repping the, you know, repping the UK there, which is cool. But you've like, you know, he's been really important um, to what the Cowboys have done on that defensive line when it has been good. So, yeah, it's just a huge, huge off season. And, I, and, and my worry is that you could just lose the 2024 season and then you have to start again in 2025 with a new coach. And mm -hmm. how long is that going to take? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I will say I do like the Mike Zimmer higher because I think he can bring a little bit of that toughness to the team that they, they've been lacking. Uh, and he does have a history of doing good against the run, stopping the run. So I think that's a, a bonus in that regard. Um, I kind of saw the writing of the wall with Dan Quinn, especially, you know, there was a lot of talk that he wanted maybe to go, go, go out this time uh, and get another head coaching job. And then of course we saw what happened at the end of the year, the defense kind of flopped uh, pretty badly uh, in some cases, especially in that playoff game against the Packers. Uh, people were wondering, oh, okay, well, what do they do now? They had, they then turns out Dan Quinn was just like, Oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get, get this job. And, you know, they took Joe Witt, took Joe Witt with them, Joe Witt Jr. Who's the, their new defensive coordinator. They wanted to take Al Harris, but the Cowboys wouldn't let him, which I'm glad. I'm glad that's, if there was one guy I'm glad we kept, it was Al Harris. Cause I think he's going to be something special in the future. Um, Darude was sad to lose because I, I agree with you. I think he's done a phenomenal job with that D-line. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that defense going forward. Uh, 24, yeah, it might be a bit of a reach to try to go get an interior lineman unless Byron Murphy's still there out of Texas. But that's probably the only one you could probably get that early. Um, I wouldn't be surprised that they tried to go get like a receiver or something like that. Keon Coleman seems to be a popular bet there. Uh, maybe go get a permanent running mate with CD because, uh, you know, Brandon Cooks will still be here, but who knows how much longer he's going to be here. Uh, you obviously want to keep CD long term, so you got to at least go get him another another running mate on the cheap at some point. So. I mean that's that's you know, and you you mentioned that you you know we've not talked about the fact that so you've got this Prescott you need situation you need to resolve. But you also mm-hmm. need to you need to plan in advance because you've got to you've got Lamb who's going to have a huge contract. You've got Parsons who's going to be due a huge contract. All kind of in the next couple of years. So what you do and how you make that work is key. And I think then you have to hit in the draft. You've got to find here three or four guys that give you production for three four five years and you know i think i will say jerry's been doing great late in drafts the last few years these they've been finding some diamonds in late in drafts i mean deron bland last year uh was a great find you know they got jake ferguson late in 2021 i believe uh a couple other guys that they picked up late in late in the rounds you know tony pollard was one of them uh you know so it Jerry's no stranger to finding diamonds in the rough late. I mean, hell, our quarterback was a fourth-round pick, so. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Cowboys have done, you know, certainly probably in the last 10 years or so, been a, a lot better in the draft and have, have sort of supplemented that, that that team. And I think that's the route they're going to have to go again. I don't think they're going to be able to make too many moves in free agency where, you know, ideally what you'd want to do, there's, you know, actually there's, there's probably a bevy of, you know, there's probably – a lot of guys on that D line available in free agency, but I just don't think the Cowboys are going to be competing at that top mm-hmm. end of it. You know, you've got uh, Madabuke from the Ravens, who you could plug in there, who'd be great. Christian Wilkins, um, again, would be, be an option if, if he hits the market. You've got, you know, some players in there. Leonard Williams, you know, he didn't necessarily light it up with the Seahawks after his trade, but he's due to hit the market. Again, somebody who experienced and, and can help kind of pluck you know with with that weakness i think first things first though the cowboys will be spending the early part of free agency or the percent of the bill to it 
getting the guys back that they want. And you've got some, I suppose, really key decisions to make for the Cowboys. Tyron Smith with his injury history the last few years, you mm-hmm. know, when fit, one of the best left tackles in the league. Problem is, he's not fit very often. He's not fit. He's not fit and healthy very often. And um, you know, and, and and you know that would you know, could you get him back on a one year deal? Uh, you've got a decision to make on Tony Pollard. He played on the you know he played on the tag last year. Has he done enough to to warrant? him being your running back one or do you find a, a partner for him so you can get him back to the situations that he's good where he's good you know you I don't know if you want Tony Pollard being your lead running back and you're having to do the you know the hard yards rather than mm-hmm. just getting him into space that we saw Stefan Gilmore you've got a decision to make on do you do you bring him back again you've got that experience but you're gonna have hopefully a, a fit and healthy Trevon Diggs back uh, a couple of others Hankins I know not necessarily big from a, a cap hit perspective, but again, that experience on that D line and, and a bit of a run stuffer. Fowler, Lewis, Curse. I think there's Dorrance Armstrong as well. There's, there's a lot that they need to, to, mm-hmm. to resolve, I think. And I think that'll be the first thing that the Cowboys Cowboys do. They've tried to look after their own guys first um, mm-hmm. these last few years before kind of going into the going into the market. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of the, usually the way that, that Jerry likes to do it. He'll take care of his guys first before he'll he'll decide on what to do next. Um, he did mention that he wants to go all in. That 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 was something that he said. You know, after the, after the loss to Green Bay, that he wants to kind of bring that 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 kind of mentality back. Um, it seems like he's trying to do that kind of because it seems like you know. We heard last week, Jimmy Johnson said in an interview that he is indeed back with the Cowboys as an advisor. He's been, he's been there since the ring of honor. Um, so he, he and Jerry have been in talks since the playoff loss about what needs to be done and some of the moves that, you know, and I'm sure he's had some influence on some of the, the, the coaching hires too. Zimmer, Zimmer coming in and whatnot. Um, so, uh, Jimmy John Jimmy Johnson coming back as you know maybe not in a in a big time role but as a, kind of an advisor to Jerry Jones does that kind of help mellow Jerry out a little bit as far as his decision making I don't know it's it's an interesting one because I think Jerry you know what we've seen Jerry's desperate to get to another Super Bowl before you know that sounds morbid but so before he 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 passes which you know he's an old he's he's an old chap Jerry so you know he's desperate to get back there one more time and I don't know what all in means for Jerry um because I don't you want to say you want to go all in then if I was going all in, I'd have been asked, you know, I'd have been saying goodbye to, to Mike McCarthy and bringing him, you know, a very, you know, bringing him very or Belichick. That, that for me would have been you going all in. This team needs something different. You've got some of, you know, some of the best in their position players or the top tier in CD Lamb. You know, that gets a lot of stick. But actually, over the course of the year, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Micah Parsons, Bland, Diggs. You've got these guys who are the top, you know, that that form the spine of the team that are the top the top of their position and I think you know if this was anywhere else I think this team would be potentially you know this group of players would have been successful certainly had more success in the playoffs but there's just something about the Cowboys right but yeah I don't know what all in means for Jerry because I think it's just a real bad situation and the Cowboys have won 12 games three years in a row right I don't I don't think any time in my in my time following the Cowboys, they've been this successful in the regular season. You know, usually it was a one-up year, one-down year for the Cowboys. 
that's settled, which is good. You know, having consistency, you know, there'll be 20 odd franchises and teams that would love to win 12 games three years in a row. You know, not many teams do that in the, you know, in, in, in the NFL, but it needs to translate into postseason success. And I'm just not sure the leadership is there in the team to do that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, this, this, maybe Mike Zimmer actually can toughen up that, toughen up that defense and McCarthy can get out of his own way as a play caller. But yeah, I'm not, not sold. Uh, and that's February, you know, but we're in February. So there's plenty of time to get <laughs> to, to, for me to come on side. And I'm sure I'll be a bit more excited when we get to the, the start of the season. But I think they just need to have a, a really successful free agency period and a really successful draft to go, right, okay, yes, the Cowboys can be in the mix. Because when you look at how far behind they are, the 49ers, that's the worry to say, you need to, that they're the team to beat in the NFC. Mm-hmm. If you want to get to a championship and you want to get to a Super Bowl, you're going to have to find a way to beat beat San Francisco. They're going to get the chance to do that. They go on the road to the, San, uh, to the Niners in the regular season. So we'll see if they can uh, close the gap. But yeah, that's the team you need to find a, you find a way to beat. Mm-hmm. And the NFC East, the NFC East, the NFC in general is just going to be wide open this year. I feel a lot more so than what it has been because you're seeing teams like Green Bay come up, you know, with the youngest roster in the NFL and they played the way they played and they're going to be good. I think they'll be good for another couple of years. Um, If Minnesota gets Kirk Cousins back, that's another team that could be challenging. What does Chicago do uh, in that division? Detroit's still kind of good, you know, a lot of these NFC teams, even the Rams, Rams, 49ers, you know, Seahawks, there's going to be a lot of challenge in the NFC this year. And, you know, where do the Cowboys fit in in that matter? That's going to be the big question is where do they fit in as far as the overall picture of the NFC? Are they on that top level with the 49ers and Eagles and those teams? Or are they in the middle of the pack? Well, and, you know, that's... that's- that's a great question. And I think you can start looking at now and apologies. It's just that my nature, given our show to, to look at what the markets are telling us, look at what Vegas is, is, is telling us. And, you know, the nine is a big favorite to win the NFC, the NFC as a whole again, you know, mm-hmm. uh, pl- plus 200 or two to one, depending which side of the pond you're on. Um, so that they're pretty heavy favorites. The Lions are the next in line and the Cowboys are third at plus 750. So, I, I don't know. I think the Cowboys are. I don't know if I'd put them behind the Eagles. I don't know. I think they're pretty. You know, Cowboys and Eagles are are, are on par. Um, I, I feel got, like the Eagles are going to take a bigger step back than us. That's just me. I mean, it's hard. I don't think they can go much further back than how that season finished. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I think with the division next year, I think ten wins wins the division. I mean, that's just me. I I just have this strange feeling that with who we have to play next year and with how things have been mismanaged on all fronts and for all four teams, I should say, 10 wins could probably win the NFC East next year. Yeah, I think that I think that's fair. I mean, what did it take? Twelve wins this year, wasn't it? So eleven you'd have got. I think uh, would have been. I don't know. It was twelve. Yeah, because the yeah, it was twelve. The Eagles have had the Ky- uh, the Eagles have had the tiebreaker. But yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of work. The, the Commanders. I always want to call them the other word. Sorry, Commanders and um, Giants. I've got a lot of work to do. I think um, you know the Giants took a huge step back, and the Commanders are just a mess. And maybe they'll settle down uh, now under new ownership. But there's, I, I think you've you know the cat 
the division was give, gifted to the Cowboys last year. I think that's fair. The Eagles went from ten and one, mm-hmm. you know, chasing the number one. You know, from ten and one to fall apart. Eleven yeah. and six. You know, you're not going to have that. I don't. I think you're not going to have that situation happen again. Um, but you know, and look, we haven't seen a team win the NFC East two years in a row for twenty years now. So. Mm-hmm. That tells you it's likely not going to be Dallas and probably will be Philadelphia, but um, I don't think there's too much difference between those two those two teams. And I just don't with where the where the teams are and how strong the 49ers are. I I, I just see it very ridiculous. Really I think the closest the, the team that will be closest to the Niners will probably be Detroit if they can go again. And mm-hmm. they, you know they you know the success they managed to have, but they're built right. They're built to maintain that success for a couple of years because they're they're trend, you know. Offensive lines, great. Defensive lines, pretty good. And you can add to it. Um, and I think that's going to help them regardless of how well Jared Goff plays or not. He had a great year, showed he could do it. And they've got the weapons around him. But those two lines are solid. The Niners, those two lines are solid. You know, the, the maybe the defensive line took a step back. That'll be something that no doubt they'll improve for 2024. And that's where I'm not as convinced in, in, in Dallas because you've got an aging O-line that can be great, but struggles to stay five guys on healthy. the field. Five guys healthy, you, yeah. I think you, you, they, they, they need to do something at right tackle as well. but And the D-line, which can be amazing or a liability. That's mm-hmm. not what those other teams have got. You know, look at the you know, other side of the fence, the Chiefs, really solid O-line difference makers on the D-line. And I think that's what the, the situation that the Cowboys need to get in. But uh, can, can you do that in one off-season? I don't know. Well, I mean, we've seen crazy things happen. I mean, look at what Houston did this year. Went from yeah. worst team in the NFL to – or one of the worst teams in the NFL to a playoff team and winning the division in one year or so. And they, they've got a lot of draft capital coming up. They've got a lot of ca- uh, cap space. Uh, so they're going to be in a good position. So you, it can be done. It's just you got to have somebody in there that's going to execute it properly. And I'm, I'm on the fence about that with Mike McCarthy. I'm, I'm, I'm part of the the minority that says maybe give him one more year, but I'm also on the fence of saying, you know, he probably should be gone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's crazy, again, just that that, that, that Packers – game in the playoffs was just a mess like it was just a mess wasn't it it was a team that wasn't prepared i think it was a team that was looking ahead to next week and playing the lions in the divisional round or potentially the lions at least they wouldn't have known at that point but i think it was a team that was looking ahead and just thought we will roll over the green bay packers and yeah they didn't come right and you know they were the dallas cowboys got dealt with you know to be what was 27 nil down at the, during the first half at home you know, as a as a as a two seed, so to, to lose in a playoff game like that is one thing. To lose at home makes it that much more eye opening and glaring to me. That's I, I said at the moment after the game. This is one of the worst losses I've seen the Cowboys have ever. Like, and I and I mentioned you know I started becoming a fan when they were a terrible team back in the early two thousands and. That was probably one of the times where it's like they were not fully prepared. They were definitely looking ahead to the next round. Uh, they 
they weren't ready. They weren't ready as a team. They weren't ready as a unit. Coaching staff was not prepared. Uh, defense didn't come to play. You know, Dak, say what you want about him. You know, he did have the pick six, but other than that, he didn't do too bad. The problem was the team as a whole wasn't good. It wasn't just on one guy. It wasn't on the coaching staff. It was on the team as a whole. The team as a whole was not fully prepared. Yeah. So. And, and and I think that ultimately the, the accountability for that does go with the, the, the head coach. I think, you know, Dan Quinn's gone, but I think he has to shoulder a portion of it as well because of just how how poor they were defensively. But I think probably, the, my, I suppose, my worry and why I think, you know, I, I should be sat here in you know February going, okay, Cowboys might win 10, 11, 12 games again in 2024. And then can they find a way to win on the road in the playoffs? Or can they find a way to win in the playoffs? And that's been the case for maybe the past three or four years. That I thought, yeah, this team's good enough to win 10 plus games and should be, you know, should be getting a playoff win or two every season. I'm not there with it now and again, very early. Still plenty to do. We've not even hit free agency yet. We've not hit the draft yet. A huge reason for that is, is obviously the, the, the lack of faith in Mike McCarthy, but the schedule's brutal. It is horrible next year for the Cowboys. AFC and, North in general is going to be rough. Yeah. You know, and we talked to... You, you could know, potentially sure. go 0-4 against the AFC North yeah. next year. Yeah. And you're in a position where Cowboys at home have been so good. So they've lost, what, you know, they'd won 16 in a row before that Packers game. But you, you look at the list of, of, of teams they have to play at home in 2024. So you've got, obviously, your divisional games. So the Eagles, obviously, you know, expected and probably will be very strong. The Texans that you've mentioned, the Lions that we've talked about, uh, there's the Bucks as well. But then you've got the Ravens and the Bengals. You're not going eight and zero again, or nine and zero, eight and zero. The play um, with it, they've got only got eight home games again. Uh, that's like a couple. I think that might be a third year in a row they've played nine on the road. All right, I'm supposed to balance out right. And then away doesn't look great. You know, you've got you again usual divisional. But then you've got like the Niners. Browns, Steelers. Going to Cleveland, Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Going yeah. to Cleveland and Pittsburgh is going to be rough. So I'm I'm looking at that list going, I I, I can't see 12 wins there. I, I think I struggle. You know, assuming, I think you're going to have to be, you can't afford a slip up. So you beat everyone you're supposed to be. You probably get to nine or 10 wins. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, that 10 wins can get you a division. Maybe, yeah. I, I feel like everybody's going to take a step back a little bit in the, in the division. So, who knows? Um, yeah, I, I said it before. I think the Giants are going to be the worst team in the NFL. Like, straight up. Yeah. I yeah. really do. That's, yeah. I mean, they've really, really struggled uh, this year. And I think, they were, they, obviously, they went 9-8 and eight and won a playoff game. And it was a bit of a false position for them, um, which sounds harsh in 2022. Um and then, then they look to push on from there. And I think they've got a big... It would be a real interesting draft for them because they've got a Daniel Jones question to you know, to, to answer and they're not really in a position to get rid of Daniel Jones. I was going to say, I think they, they know their answer. They just can't do anything about it because yeah. of the contract. They're locked into thought, that. You know, I thought it was crazy 12 months ago that they gave Daniel Jones $160 million. I thought that was insane for what he what he had produced. Um, you know, is Saquon going to come back? Probably not. Um, you know, he might. I think he's in a position to, to to go elsewhere. So it might feel just like a big reset 
needed for the Giants. And, you know, Brian Dayball's another coach to say, is he long, you know, has he got long left in that job? Because, you know, we've seen that coach of the year one year and then under a lot of pressure 12 months later. Um, we've seen that story play out a few times in the NFL. Um, but, you know, that's that's an interesting one, and, you know, through, through the offseason. Uh, we do that, but it feels like maybe the Giants will be two or three years away from kind of getting back to, to talking about um postseason uh postseason contention and yeah the commanders is interesting in that division because yeah that whole rebuild no more dan snyder around and the new owners and, and they'll want to make some noise. i believe they have three picks in the top 40 as well they're like 236 and 38 i want to say yeah, so that's from Chicago, right? Yeah, the Montez mm-hmm. Sweat, uh, the Montez Sweat trade. So yeah, you know they'll look to make some noise, and they've got the opportunity to lay a really good foundation there with three picks in the top forty. A new, you know, you'd expect to see a new quarterback at two. Um, and I felt really bad for Sam Howell because actually I thought he was, you know, he was put in a real bad situation last year, and certainly for the first half of the year, did a really, mm-hmm. really good job. Um, and then, yeah, it kind of just all went a bit pear-shaped down the back end of the year. But, you know, they've got some pieces, you know, Montez Sweat might have um, gone and, and Chase Young might have gone and, and there's probably some work to do on that defensive line as well. But they've got some, you know, in Mc, McLaurin, um, you know, they've got some kind of pieces to go at. So if you can get a quarterback to hit the ground running in there, which is a lot easier said than done, then mm-hmm. maybe they can, you know, they can surprise a few people. Yeah, yeah. I think if there was one team that could potentially take a step forward, it might be Washington compared to what they were last year. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you. I think Sam Howell was dealt a dirty hand pretty much. And that kind of – I think Dan Snyder really tried to sabotage that season before he even sold the team. So that's why a lot of the moves that they made were made. Because, um, I mean, you're drafting Emmanuel Forbes over – over the guy the Patriots took, and we kind of saw what what happened in that regard. Forbes got lit up this year. I, I really do think that they, they had tried to sabotage the team on his way out. So, yeah, not a good not a good situation for anybody involved in that organization last year. Yeah, Emmanuel Forbes is an interesting one, and I thought maybe when we did our again again almost a year ago thought oh maybe he might go late in the first round because i think historically in college what he did was so aggressive um that he you know thinking can he translate that to the nfl and he might be more in kind of your trayvon you know talked about the cowboys trayvon dig style where you almost accept that he's going to get burned at times but you know, the plus side is actually the turnovers are way, you know, worth way more than getting burnt a couple of, you know, burnt a couple of times a game. I think that's kind of the, the, the was the thought process, but ultimately we didn't see that out of Emmanuel Forbes. Maybe, maybe it does and he learns a bit more um, in 2024 and beyond. But yeah, uh, I mean, it was a rough one at times for him. Um, but it took as he played in the SEC, right? It's from Miss, uh, Mississippi State, Emmanuel Forbes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he he's, he still has the college football record for most interception returns for a touchdown. Um, so, yeah, if you could, you know, we've seen the success of what that can do with Deron Bland last year for the Cowboys. If you can get somebody who's capable of doing that that sort of thing in the NFL and, and, and how value, valuable it is. But, yeah, 
not quite work for. That's for why I yet. think that's it, that our secondary could be great next year. Could be one of the better secondaries in the league, if, especially if Trayvon's fully healthy. If Diggs is fully healthy and you, you slide Bland back to the slot corner, I think that's going to be lethal for, for our secondary next year. And I'm, I'm excited for that. If they're if if Diggs is fully healthy, that is. Yeah, and and that's part of my thought process of why I think maybe the Cowboys will let Gilmore walk in free agency and actually go Bland and Diggs as your two as your starting corners, and then you know you do you bring Jordan Lewis back um, on a you know a relatively team friendly deal. He did play very well this year. I'll give him that. He did play well, so. Yeah, um, or do you go find somebody else, or do you draft somebody and try and get some, you know, some some value there? And do they just go with 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 Diggs and and, and Bland? Which you know, Gil, to be fair, Gilmore was really really good. I thought he had a great you know a great season, um, but I don't know, he's, he's probably going to command somewhere north of ten million dollars on a one year deal. I don't think the Cowboys have got the room to do that. Yeah. Especially, you know, with the like we keep mentioning the contract with Dak, you know, they got to pay a couple other guys, and you know, kind of going into my last question here for you, that it looks like they might try to go get a, a running back to be that bell cow um, going forward to kind of help spell Pollard a little bit, or they may not keep Pollard. Who knows? Um, of the three guys that they're rumored to be in in terms with here. Uh, who do you think is the most reasonable for them to bring in and could give them the most success? You know, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, or Josh Jacobs? Um, I mean, though, I think my worry is with all three of them is uh, is at the price the price they come. I think the one that would make most sense is is is, is Barkley because I think he's the mix of the pass, you know the runner and runner and pass catcher mm-hmm. that you get with that you kind of get with Pollard. Um, so I think Saquon, but I just think the money is going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for all, you know, all three of those guys, um, I think um, you know maybe Josh Jacobs' values fallen off a bit because he had a particularly poor season. Um, you know, but that wasn't helped with Josh McDaniels early in the year for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. And and you know Derrick Henry, I think the worry is you know just the tread on his tires, so to speak. Uh, you know, he's I think what is he twenty nine, thirty, but you know he looks like he's slowed down already. Um, so yeah, I think and it and, doesn't help that the this year's draft is not very running back heavy. It is it is probably one of the worst running back drafts we've had in a while. It, like, yeah, I mean outside, I mean who you look, you know who you're looking at is potentially. You know, you certainly, I'd be very shocked if you found found a running back go in the first 40, 45, maybe even. They, they usually find back. some diamonds in later rounds, so it would not shock me if they tried to go get like a. A bruiser from like Wisconsin, the bruiser from Wisconsin, for example, that's like a, I believe he's a fourth round grade uh, right now. If they go to try to go get him or something, I don't see Blake Corum. Uh, I think Corum's for some reason I feel like he's just going to end up in L.A. with the Chargers because it is it is uh, Jim Harbaugh, and that makes a lot of sense for that offense. Uh, Jonathan Brooks would be interesting out of Texas. Yeah, I think Texas, yeah. I think that's the one running back that you can get. The problem is he is coming off, I believe, an ACL from last year. Uh, that's why he didn't get to play in the in the in the play playoff last year um, because of his injury. Uh, so who knows if he's going to be fully healthy? 
there's a couple others. I did mention the kid from Wisconsin who who had a decent year. He's kind of a bruiser. Uh, Braylon re- Allen, yeah. Braylon Allen, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think if you really want to get that grounded pound style of running back, I think that's the route you go. But like I said, that's not until like third, fourth round. Uh, and even so, you'll have to be careful because there will probably be teams that – there are a lot of teams that need running backs, and they'll, they'll try to try to make that move happen. So, And I don't know if you, you know, if you look from the, you know, from the Cowboys' perspective of, you know, it very much was, you know, was kind of was Paul our bus, but I think you saw – enough in Rico Dowdle to go maybe you can give him a bigger a bigger part and a bigger share of the carries. Um and I'm and again maybe it might just be that the size is too much to overcome. I really would love to see more of Juice Vaughn as well. I think you know seeing him what he was able to do at, at K State you've just got to be smart with what you do then you've got to put him in situations where you can get him the ball in space mm-hmm. and He's electric, and and I don't know if the size might just be a bit too much. I think you got I think you really. If, if I'm Mike McCarthy, I'm going back and I'm looking at tape of Darren Sproles. I'm looking yeah. at tape of, yeah. you know, hell, even Christian McCaffrey. Now, uh, these guys are you know undersized running backs. You know, not not bulky. Um, how do we get these guys in space? How do we get Deuce Vaughn in space? Utilize them in that way. Yeah, and I think you need to see him more. He needs to be in more packages because I think. The amount of snaps he's on the field for, it's too obvious that the minute the Cowboys that you're gonna okay, you're gonna design plays for he needs to be on the field a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I'd you know, I think if you could you could get by on seeing a bit more out of Rico Dowdle. Um, he's a very physical runner, also effective in the passing game as well. Um and then I don't know I don't dislike Tony Pollard. I just think he was put in the wrong role. I don't think necessarily that that is on him why he had a down season last year. Also, I think maybe we've not talked about enough. He, the injury he suffered in the playoff game against San Francisco. Dislocation of the ankle. It looked like he broke his leg. It was an awful injury. And I think, you know, he sort of said it didn't. it wasn't until much later in the season this year he felt back to normal again. So I don't know if the Cowboys could get a very team-friendly deal for Pollard. Mm. Uh, I'd be inclined to bring him back, but not at... 10 11 million dollars a year I, maybe in one year one year four one year five maybe you get him back but i i don't know if he if he would be willing to accept that mm-hmm. one, one last question before we move on from the cowboys um what do you say to those that are wanting to draft a quarterback at 24 <laughs> no because well, they don't you, they don't draft at 24 I think the one people they keep point person they keep pointing out is Michael Penix if he falls there, but yeah, that that would be a stretch. Yeah, really, I, I don't I don't see a choice. I don't see a choice. You have to stay with Dak. You have to. Yeah, no, you've got because to now. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you know. He did he did what he did in the playoffs. I get that. I get why people are upset. This is his best year since his rookie year. Statistically wise, he yeah. had his best year this year since his rookie year. Led the second in passing yards, led the league in passing touchdowns, interception numbers were down, finished second in MVP voting. What else more do you want? I understand you want a championship, but you gotta at least he's the guy. He's the guy. They yeah, never they I, didn't get rid of Danny White when he didn't win a championship. They're not gonna get rid of Dak Prescott. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, no, I agree. You know, you're too far down the line with Dak, and and it, it, they're they're in that very very difficult situation. Not difficult situation. They're in that situation where Dallas are never going to be, he says, never going to be bad enough to be drafting in the top five at the minute, right? You, that team isn't going to drop off that much in the next few years. Where, all right, I hope not anyway. But you very much doubt they're going to end up with a kind of a top five pick. So, yeah, no, at 24, yeah, you know what, I can see. The, the hype for Penix seemed to drop off a little bit. I don't really understand why. So, particularly in the um, college football playoff semifinal against Texas, he was unreal. He had an amazing game for Washington. Um, very similar to kind of what CJ Stroud did for Ohio State against Georgia, even though, the, you know, although. Penix won the game, CJ Stroud lost the game. Um, and yeah, you know what? Michigan gave, you know, Penix and, and Washington a real tough time in the, the the college football championship game because Michigan of that Michigan team is one of the best college football teams has been in the last 10 years. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, and I, the hype for Penix has, has dropped off. So somebody's going to get, by the sounds of it, somebody's going to get him, have a ch- chance to get him late in the first round, potentially early in the second round because you've got kind of JJ McCarthy seems to have, moved up the board even though he didn't actually play very well during the college football playoffs seems very strange and um, Jaden Daniels has had Heisman year and, and you know looks electric and, and you've got Caleb Williams and Drake May who seem to be locked in at one and two but yeah no I don't I don't see the I don't see Penix for the for the Cowboys but yeah maybe somebody later on in that first round might take a chance on him or early in the second and um, I think there's a lot of um yeah I really like Penix, and for me, he'd be might be a bit early to be throwing out controversial draft opinions. I like him more than Caleb Williams, um, but obviously, you know, <laughs> Caleb Williams is going to go on, um, which mm. I'm finding insane. But yeah, you know, I, I like Penix more. Who would I trust more? Who would I want on my team? Penix. But um, yeah, I think his age is a problem, isn't it? He's going to be 24 by the time the season starts and the injuries at uh, Indiana. Uh, was he at Indiana? Indiana? Yeah, he's Indiana, Indiana, Indiana before Washington, yeah. Before Washington, yeah. The injuries that he had that just ended, kept ending his seasons at Indiana. Um, yeah, before the two years he had in Washington, I think are going to kind of be, you know, held against him. But somebody's going to get great value on him. I don't know, maybe someone like... I don't know. Maybe he's far down enough there to, to, you know, to do that. Maybe someone, someone like I don't know, Tampa, because you don't know, you know, they're going to be at twenty six, right? So you don't know what's going to happen with Baker, and do you get somebody in as well? Um, the problem is nobody else down there really needs a quarterback, right? Do you, the Saints, but is that Saints at fourteen? But is that too early? And is Bonix and McCarthy still going to be there? But again, I'd rather have Penick. So yeah, I, I don't know, but yeah, certainly no. For me, Cowboys, it will be interior of the defensive line, probably. Um, cornerback, maybe as well. You probably get good value there as well at 24. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Tampa seems likely because it's a, who knows what they're going to do with Baker going forward. Uh, so that would be an interesting spot if they were for him to land. Uh, really, honestly, if the, if the Cowboys do take a quarterback, that's the only guy I could see them taking is Michael Penix because I think he's got kind of that leadership role and he, he, he's kind of similar to Dak a little bit, so he can learn under Dak a little bit. Uh, he's just a left-handed version of Dak, I, I would say. Uh, but, you know, I don't see them going quarterback at 24. I really don't. I, I personally think it's going to be Keon Coleman because they, they really – 
are going to want to get a, a running mate for CD Lamb because uh, M- MG's out the door. I'll, I'll just say that right now. Michael yeah. Gallup's out the door. Uh, I'm not sold on Tolbert just yet. He did have some moments last year where he came up big, but he's he's not quite there yet. Uh, who knows how long Cooks is going to be around for. Um, so I think you go get a Keon Coleman for the future. That's going to help. Uh, I think free agency, you're going to have to focus on defense. Maybe go get a linebacker, go get a defensive tackle or something like that. And then, or, you know, running back, whatever, and then figure out what you got in the draft. Yeah. So. I think this, there's, there's another spot there. Line, I think linebacker's key. You've got um, as good as he's been in supporting, stopping the run. Um, Leighton Van Der Esch, again, is just another one who cannot stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's a huge difference when he's on the he's on the field. The Cowboys are so much better at stopping the run when uh, LVE is fit. He's just not. He's got us that neck. He's clearly still bothering him, and will continue to bother him for the rest of his life. Probably the amount of injuries he's had on it. But yeah, I think that I think there's just some maybe additional support there. And you've had you know they had the um, very successful experiment converting Marquise Bell thought he had a pretty decent year um but yeah i think there probably needs to be an answer in in that middle of the linebacking core and i don't necessarily think you're gonna find it in um i don't necessarily think you're gonna find it in the draft um yeah 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 i think draft wise you're just gonna be finding guys who are gonna be kind of Step pieces in a way, unless unless of course they do go get like a tackle at twenty four. That could be somebody like if Tyron doesn't come back, that could be somebody they could slide in the left tackle or maybe even left guard, depending on what they want to do with Tyler uh, Tyler Smith. There, this um, should be good value. This should be good value, especially first round. You're probably looking at we've just talked it, about pen- Penix in Washington and um, Faltinatu who had a Faltinatu, really yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm down for that. Mims from Georgia, Latham from Bama, but maybe that's maybe maybe you know might end up going beforehand. Um, yeah, and I don't see any of the others. Certainly, you won't get to the point where Al or Fashionu or um, Fuaga. I wouldn't have thought um, get to that point. You could probably get Tyler Guyton. Probably get Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, somewhere down there. You know, there seems to be a lot. There seems to be probably half a dozen tackles that might go in the first mm-hmm. round. And, and if Tyron stays, you just sign him over at right tackle. Yeah. For the and, time and being. This is, this is I think there's an interesting conversation to go at, actually. Do you let Tyron Smith go? Do you move Tyler Smith? To left tackle. Left tackle. You know, was, is that, is, has this been the succession plan all along? I know he's played, you know, he's played, you know, played guard, but he's played to a level where. Last year, he had to learn on the job playing left tackle because Tyron Smith missed so much of the early part of the season and he did a really good job. So now he's got a bit more seasoning, another year of experience mm-hmm. in the NFL. Do you go, actually, no, we're going to make the move, make the move now? Um, and then do you start going, right, can we get, actually, is it going to be easier to find some more interior um, defensive linemen, um, guards? And you still, you've got also a centre, it's so many issues, but you've also got, a center issue as well. Do you bring back Tyler Bedash? But again, injuries, um, you're probably going to get him back at something very reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, not many competent centers around. And again, you know, can you find some value um, mm-hmm. in the draft or free agency? Um, 
on the interior of the defensive line, uh, interior of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot, a lot of questions to be asked about the Cowboys this year. Yeah. So again, not not too high on on the, the division as a whole, but we'll have to wait and see how the offseason fares. Um, kind of touch on the NBA a little bit. I know that we talked beforehand that you you've been delving more into the NBA. I, I kind of get why Sam became a Pacers fan. How did you become a Pacers fan? <laughs> yeah, there's not so, not so much a story. So yeah, I follow in the NBA, the Indiana Indiana Pacers. I think I mentioned to you before, oddly for a guy from the UK, I'm into college basketball more than I'm the NBA. Um, that's just the tournament. I just love the tournament, the NCAA tournament. It's just the be- one of the best sporting events there, there there is. March Madness, you can't beat it. And as we're a gambling show, I think that's why I love it so much. Uh, but yeah, into the NBA as well, uh, the Indiana Pacers. So that just came from, like I say, you know, the, the NBA didn't for a long time didn't really have a real broadcaster in the UK. So none of the sports channels really picked it up for quite a long time. Um, and then they did about four or five years ago. Um, it might be a little bit longer, but yeah, the, the main sports broadcaster in the UK picked up the rights to the NBA. So we'd, you know, it'd show maybe like eight eight to ten games a week it doesn't have all the games um but it would just be like you know the pick of the games that are on the big networks in in, in america during the week and yeah there was what uh, i think it was i'm pretty sure it was a golden state golden state warriors paces game a few years ago i was like oh i'll try i'll sit and watch it enjoyed the game and as the warriors were one of if not the top team at the time it was like oh well, rooting for the upset and uh yeah um the, the paces went into um I guess it's San Francisco now, right? Where the the, the Golden State Warriors are, and um, yeah, and beat them. And it was like, oh, I'm going to keep keep tabs, and, and that's going to be my my um, NBA team. And and yeah, it's again a team that hasn't really had that much success um, for a long time. Very much like the Cowboys. So maybe there's a bit of a, a trend here. <laughs> trend with my bit. All my teams are like that. Probably my baseball team is a, a very similar as well. They've they've been very unsuccessful for a long period of time. Shout out the Pittsburgh Pirates. But yeah, uh, the Pacers are. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just I really like sucker for, for punishment. I think. Um, yeah. Um, crazy that again. Same principle with the Pirates. But yeah. Um, but the Pacers now having a good year, and I think you know in. in potentially in a position to make the playoffs outright and hopefully not have to go through the um, play-in tournament, um, which, you know, I think that would be deemed a success. They've made moves to suggest that they think they can really make a postseason run. Um, Siakam trade before the deadline. Um, and you've got, you know, Halliburton, who's been electric, um, you know, for the Pacers. Uh, and some really good other pieces, Miles Turner as well. Like so, yeah, I, I think they're in a good spot. So we'll see. Hopefully, they, they can continue it. And I think the seven games above five hundred. I think thirty-two twenty-five. I think mm-hmm. is the the record at the minute. So seven games above five hundred, and and hopefully they continue. You know, can continue that in the last what's the left about twenty games left. Mm-hmm. Twenty twenty-five games left. Yeah. Yeah, they could potentially still move up in the East too. So, you know. This is this is gonna find a defense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think probably what's been, um, I suppose, good to watch. And look, guilt, you know, guilt, guilt. Say I've not, I've not sat and watched all paces games. I've seen a, a fair few of them, but they're just playing at, a, at an unbelievable pace, you know. And also, no pun intended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> but they are, you know, just, just, you know, just absolutely just trying to, you know, trying to outscore teams and, and bury teams that way and. And that that's the way the NBA now, right? You know, things have mm-hmm. changed a lot, and that's the you know that's kind of how it is now. But 
I think they've done it real effectively. And as a result, they're real entertaining to watch because they are all high-scoring games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that's what the NBA wanted was a lot of scoring and not much defense. No defense, yeah. Nobody no wants defense. to watch that. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Every week, every game is like the All Star game for the uh, for the Pacers. Oh, that 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 All Star game was awful, it's awful, <laughs> awful, awful, awful. Oh, I'd rather watch paint dry. Uh. <laughs> yeah, the, and, the, and there's an inju- there's a, there's a, I think there's a thing across the the sports as well. I'm not sure. I think I think maybe the MLB might be the only ones that get it right. Um, in terms of kind of that All Star All Star piece. Um. But yeah, I think the NBA and I think the NFL are trying desperately, aren't they, to, to do something different with the Pro Bowl. I mean, they don't have the mm. game anymore. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, the NFL and the NBA need, really need to do something. And I know the NBA maybe need to incentivize the players to, to, to want to play maybe. And maybe there's a prize pot. So we saw with the uh, playing, uh, not the playing, the in-season tournament that actually... Um, there was the financial reward. I can't remember how much they, 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 they was it a hundred grand each for the winning team? Or was it, was it a little bit more? Was it half a million? Maybe might've been half a million. Like a, yeah. Maybe there needs to be do something a bit like, you know, a bit, a bit like that with the um, all-star games kind of get guys wanting to play, but how do you, you know, all these guys are on huge contracts anyway, they, especially the guys that make it to the all-star game. So, you know, mm-hmm. what do you, you know, is, is half a million going to incentivize them? I don't know, but they need to do a little bit of something, I think to, to do it and make, I don't know, give, um, give it a reason. And I don't know if they still do, or if they did for a period of time, and, and that might be what they did in baseball. So correct me if I'm wrong, where the winner of the all-star game gets home field advantage for the, for the finals. It's, it's always been that way yeah. until recently. They yeah. stopped doing it like the last couple of years. Cause like the national league won this past year, but Texas had home field. So they stopped. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty much gone. Yeah, but maybe there needs to be some something on it, and and you know some stakes on it. I don't know. Um, maybe like if you're on the losing team, you're never allowed to play in the All Star game again. I don't know. Maybe that should. Be. I, I don't know something something to to make it somewhat interesting. Yeah. Or the losing team has to pay the winning team the money. Maybe that's something. Yeah, I and mean, that might be a way to get everybody get everybody playing. Mm-hmm. Some something like that. I don't know. Um. Before we end off here, Paul, I've got a couple questions that I usually ask my guests here at the end. Um, what is the one sport? What is the one sports moment that? Well, your favorite sports moment that forever lives in your head. Like you knew where you were, where it happened, or you witnessed it live. Oh, that's a great question. Uh, there's probably a few, and. Probably the one that stands out the most and will be the most memorable one is probably from my childhood, and it's it's, it's you know it's a soccer one, and I get killed for calling it soccer, uh, a football one. Um, I don't know if you are too familiar with 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 with, uh, with soccer, uh, Alan, but hopefully you have heard of a team called Manchester United. Um, oh, oh, duh. <laughs> yeah. huge, yeah. So I'm from I'm I'm from the city of Manchester, and I'm from the area where there are two teams in Manchester or some will lead you believe one of them is a really successful dominant team right now, Manchester City, but you know, 20, 20 years ago, it was Manchester United. And yeah, they um, probably Kate delivered what was one of the greatest sporting comebacks of all time. So the Champions League, again, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, for those that haven't, is a mm-hmm. uh, European competition. So all the top teams, top soccer teams in Europe play in it every season. 
And that's kind of the biggest thing you can win. So the biggest thing you can win in the Champions League or European Cup, as it, as it once was. And my team got to the final. They'd already won the domestic league. They'd already won the domestic cup. So in England, so they were the dominant team in England and then got to play Bayern Munich, a, a hugely successful German team. And Bayern Munich were winning in the final 1-0. Right at the very end, Bayern Munich was still winning 1-0. They were going to win the, the Champions League. And Manchester United scored two goals in the last two minutes to turn the game around, win the game and become champions of Europe for the first time in like 30 years. And just a very memorable way. So for a football game to finish like that, it's quite, it's very rare for a team to come back that late in the game and score twice in the last two minutes, you know, you know, 90 plus minutes, um, you know, in, in, in extra time or injury time, as we call it, um, crazy. And, and just, yeah, crazy to go from two minutes before, you know, the biggest game of the year, be so, you know, desolate and sad that you're going to have lost it. Because, you, you know, teams don't get to those finals very often. Um, it's not very, it's not like you get there every year. It's a very special, special occasion and special season to get to a European Cup final. And yeah, that they score twice in the last two minutes to turn the turn you know, from losing it to, to level to winning it and then mm-hmm. celebrating the fact that you've won the game and the biggest, biggest tournament you can win. Um, yeah, and I was, night 10 years old then and that i'll that that night will live with me forever it was just incredible um in, in the city of barcelona it was because the, the finals always played on in a new sort of neutral neutral place and uh mm-hmm. yeah just crazy 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 night with so many people from manchester celebrating it was just yeah mm-hmm. the best sporting moment by far mm-hmm. yeah I've, I've said this a couple times the more the more recent one for me is of course in the world series this past year against arizona oh, yeah. uh we're down five three uh, with a man on first, Corey Seager hits that game-tying home run uh, to make it 5-5, send it into extra innings, and then Garcia would finish it off for the Rangers to win game one. From that moment, I was like, yeah, we're winning this World Series. There's, the Diamondbacks have no chance. Uh, that was such a, a surreal moment for a team that has not had any postseason success at all up until the late 90s. They when they made their first playoff run, um, made it to the World Series for the first time in 2010, uh, and then the 2011 series where they should have won, but David Freeze, God, I hate him, uh, got got involved in the Cardinals, were able to come back and win that series. Uh, it was a huge, huge letdown. And then, of course, two years ago, this team was a, had lost 100 games, so you're thinking, what is the future going to look like? To turn a complete 180, make a run, somehow lose the division to the Astros, but win every single road playoff game he played, which is phenomenal. Kudos to them. They made it happen. We got it. We got a ring out of it. I don't know if we're going to get be able to go back to back, but, you know, that was a special moment last year. Special moment for a team that was considered a, a laughing stock, if you will, in Major League Baseball. So, you know, good, good moment for that team. You know, and then one of my more distant memory is uh, the Sugar Bowl 2014 uh, against Alabama, Oklahoma. And uh, we did not have a, a very competent team that year. We somehow won 10 games with having started three different quarterbacks all season. Uh, I'm sure you know of the, the Kansas City tight end, Blake Bell. Uh, who was at one point our starter, co- starting quarterback for a good majority of that season. 
Uh, we had a kid named Trevor Knight who didn't really pan out after that one year. Um, he ended up getting benched for Baker Mayfield the following year. Uh, you know, and then Kendall Thompson, who was kind of a, a blip on the radar as well uh, in that season. You know, that was still back when we had Sterling Sharp. I believe that was his freshman year, or Sterling Shepard, I should say, Sterling Shepard. Uh, you know, a lot of decent talent on that team. Uh, but it was just one of those teams where it's like, uh, it, it's, it, it, you don't know what to say about it. Cause you know, offensively, you're just like, uh, I don't know if I want to watch this cause it's not good. You know, you only put up like so many points against, you know, your two best games were against Notre Dame and Oklahoma state, the where you put up the most points that year. And then. You're going into that Sugar Bowl against an Alabama team that should have been in, you know, many people thought should have been in the national championship game that year. You know, the stacked rosters with guys like Derrick Henry, TJ Yeldon, uh, AJ McCarron, Amari Cooper, Landon Collins, you know, so much NFL talent on that team. And that no-name Oklahoma team went into that Sugar Bowl and beat up on that Alabama squad and won 45-35. I'm like, how? <laughs> how did this happen? It was a amazing, amazing to watch. So much fun. I don't know how, how that happened, but when, when I heard that we won that game, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I mean that that's the aim. any anytime you could stick it to an SEC team it's fun yeah. but now it's sad cuz I have to join that damn conference. So. Yeah, so I was going to say, you know, look, you know, <laughs> no more opportunities to stick it to Saban um, and that the whole kind of I suppose the 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 later landing college football has just changed completely now, hasn't it? You know, with you've, mm. you've had, you know, Saban Saban go, you've got Bam at Oklahoma and, and Texas joining the um SEC. SEC. Uh, the Pac-12, the Pac-12 is gone. No exists, which is a shame, actually. Pac-12 has probably been my favorite. You know, I'm a college football fan as well. Although I don't have a team because obviously I don't have a school that that that, that I'm linked to. But um, you know, the Pac-12 after you know Pac-12 after dark is just was just always great. I love the Pac-12. I've got a lot of love for a lot of the teams in the Pac-12. But yeah, that that's sad to see them, uh, you know, move on. I think there's only. As a Washington State and Washington State and Oregon State, Oregon State, who are just the Pack Two, right? So Pack Two. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, right. you know, it's sad to see that go. But yeah, it, although it does, you know, again the the SEC having another couple of powerhouses in it in in Texas and you know Oklahoma will make that even more exciting, um, you know, and, and just make for even more great games. Yeah. Big 12 will just be a basketball conference because it is at Arizona, Houston, all, all the top basketball schools. Why don't they? Maybe even Duke, maybe even Duke if the ACC falls. I mean, they're, they're, I think there's talk about this with Florida State seems to be really. Florida State and Clemson potentially coming. Out. <laughs> um, you know, Ugh. really spitting the dummy out about kind of what happened with them being excluded um, from the uh, college football playoff uh, this this year. But, you know, even that, the expansion of the playoffs, um, which is good news for everybody apart from Notre, you know, Notre Dame, I think, because they just, you know, it's going to suck for them if they, end, if they end up being really good and, and, and not attached to a conference. Um, but, you know, and, and I think it's just another step to making, you know, college football, 
even better, which is tough because I, I, it's great as it already is. College football, it doesn't need um, doesn't need too much doing to it. But I think the expansion of the playoffs is great because who doesn't love playoffs in any sport, right? Right. I mean, it's great, but NIL is not going to help it at all. NIL and transfer portal is not helping it. I don't think. I I can't remember. I saw a clip, and I want to say it's from the head coach of Tulsa. I think that went kind of uh, viral this week, and he was explaining kind of how they went about recruitment and the fact that everybody, all these players, you know, that they were looking to recruit, were asking him about NIL money, and he was just like, "I don't like if that's what you're interested in. I don't, I don't want you here. You know, if that's your your motivating factor." how much NIL money you can get, then I, I don't want you to play at my program, um, which I think is a really cool way to cool way to look at it. I think, you know, actually, I think, the, you know, for some coaches to be like, they want guys who want to play, who want to develop um, and, and want to play football as opposed to, you know, making money. money. Yeah. Especially at that age. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I get like for so long, there's, there's got to be a balance, right? Because, also, it's been so wrong for the NCAA to make money off these kids for as long as they have done without giving him it, giving giving any of it it back. So I think there needs to be a balance. And, and yeah, that coach, the Tulsa coach, was explaining how one kid was sort of saying, "Well, I've got three dogs and a girlfriend," and he was like, "Well, I suggest you get rid of the dogs and drop the drop the girlfriend then, if money, <laughs> if, if that's why you want the money." So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, which which. Um, I think that you know that's right. I think, but I think it's hard with some of these schools, and especially some of these kids that know potentially the transfer. You've got the combination of the NIL and the transfer portal, um, where mm-hmm. kids can just go and get, you know, try and go to the highest bidder, so to speak, um, and already be millionaires before they get to the NFL, which is crazy. Mm-mm-mm. It's nuts. It's nuts. I mean, at least with college basketball, it makes sense. It's making that. It's making college basketball a little bit more interesting in certain ways, but. And college football is just, uh, it's a mess. It's a big, gigantic mess. And I'm hopeful we'll see some great, um, you know, one thing the NIL, NIL money has brought is some really great um, partnerships between uh, players and, you know, companies. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember, I want to say it was a Nebraska kid um, whose name was, uh, his first name is DeColdest, so D hyphen Coldest, and he was the in a um, air conditioning company advert, um, I can't remember his full name, but it was the cold or something, and it was in, and it was just brilliant. Like the adverts, just insanely funny. Yeah, I was gonna say Will Levis got a, a lifetime offer from Miracle Whip because of him drinking mayonnaise in his coffee. <laughs> yeah, he's so. an odd, he's an odd chap, isn't he, Will? Levis? He's a very, yeah. very odd chap. Very <laughs> odd chap. Poor Sam. Poor Sam losing a bit and having to drink mayo coffee live on TV. Oh no! Yeah, that was gross. I imagine. Yeah, yeah it's it was not. It's not easy to watch either. Um, last question: What is your favorite TV show of all time? Oh, what a question! That is probably, ooh, probably two. Probably it's either The Wire or Band of Brothers. I think one of those mm, two. That's yeah. a good one. Old school, yeah. Like probably both. Right. I was just I just started watching Band of Brothers again actually. Um, so the new, um, is it Masters of the Air that came out on Apple mm-hmm. a few weeks ago? Um, just all those series are great, whether it's Band of Brothers, um, The Pacific. Yeah, but Band of Brothers is the original one. And yeah, The Wire is just uh, perfect, just perfect TV. 
just the mm-hmm. best TV series, I think, of all time. Um, yeah, again, that's like 20 odd years old. I think it's just the link that all these British guys are in it. I think, like, The Wire, you've got like Idris and Idris Elder and um, Dominic West uh, mm-hmm. as your lead roles. And then obviously, you've got all the British guys that play the soldiers in, uh, in Band of Brothers as well. Mm-hmm. Good, good show, though. It's a good show. So I can't, I can't deny it. Um, uh, anything going on? You where can the people find you at? You got anything coming up pretty soon, Paul? Yeah, so I think probably the big big thing is we'll be back when free agency starts in a few weeks. But we're planning a big. Uh, I don't know what we're going to call it yet, but I think we, 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 we've, we've not quite settled on it, but we've called it the People's Draft so far. So we have gone round and tried to get a representative from every single team in the NFL. So obviously you mentioned kind of how the, how the game's grown um, in the UK. So we've got a lot of fans groups and things like that in the UK, um, some more prevalent than others, but you know, I think all mm-hmm. of them will grow. Shout out particularly to the guys at the 49 Faithful UK who do an incredible job. That's why everyone's a Niners fan, Alan, here, because <laughs> the 49ers <laughs> Faithful do such a great job. Um, but yeah, we've got representatives from, I think, almost every team now. I'm, I'm, there's a couple more I need to get. Um, and the idea is that they will they will make the draft picks for the first round. We can't do the whole draft because the episode will be like 20 hours long. But for the first round, we're going to get the people from the fans group to make the picks. And then me, Byron and Joe will analyze it and talk about it. So it's like the first night of the draft. So that's the big thing that we're working on. And it seemed a really good idea at the time. Now trying to organize it, it is just chaos. So... <laughs> um, so we'll get there though. I think I think we probably only need like three teams um, who maybe aren't as well represented in the UK, but we'll get there and we'll find we'll we'll we'll, we'll find it. So if there's any UK Bengals fans out there, give me a shout because I'm struggling to get a hold of somebody to rep the Cincinnati Bengals. But yeah, um, that should be really good and, and that will be another challenge for us. So we talked about kind of learning things. So me like you know, and it'll probably be me, like cutting all the audio and the video together from 32 draft picks and cutting, yeah, that'll be crazy. And um, mm. I think uh, kind of, we just felt it'd be a really good way to kind of just get more and more people to interact with the show. Um, and it's weird, yeah, like in the space of a week, we've managed to kind of get 25 or 26 teams locked down. Apologies to any Panthers or Browns fans in the UK that we haven't come to speak to, but you don't have a first round pick. So sorry about that. Um, so you can't, can't get involved. So apologies, Keg. Uh, and apologies to uh, any UK Browns fans. Uh, maybe we could get Keg to do it, actually. I think the Panthers have picked 33. So maybe we can get Keg involved, actually. We'll just do the first round plus the first pick of the second round. <laughs> for plus, for plus 33. There you go. Yeah, plus 30. <laughs> Thirty-three. So yeah, maybe we can get. It's it. technically your first round pick, so there's their first pick, right? It's the yeah. first pick. A little bit tricky with the Cleveland one, so I think it's like pick forty something, maybe like pick fifty something. So a bit yeah. tricky with that one. Um, but yeah, so that's the big thing that we're working on. But we'll be back with um, things like the state of the division series. We also do some non-football related stuff during the off season and um, so um, just general so we do a series of sports draft uh, sorry a series of drafts not nfl drafts but it's like a subject so we've done things like uh we did a christmas draft like the, the best things about christmas in december and did that draft and we've done things like greatest sporting rivalries, greatest sporting comebacks, and done that as like a, a draft. Um, we definitely haven't stolen that idea from from Barstool. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we've, been, we've been doing we've been doing that um, 
during the off season we did it last year so we've got like a big list of topics so we're going to try and like mass record loads of those as well so we can put them out over the summer you know in those days where kind of when it's been a couple of months since the draft and it's still a little bit of time before pre-season so there will be plenty of stuff from us we'll, we'll definitely have at least one episode a week starting from mid-march again all the way through to to the week after the super bowl so yeah we're just having a rest right now we need a break and we're planning planning on what what to do for next season but if you've not seen us or not heard of us before good teams win great teams cover you can catch us on spotify we're working to get up on apple and amazon and all the other uh, podcast sites as well and um, but you can also catch us on here on youtube at gtw underscore gtc it's in the in the nameplate there um, and same on instagram same on twitter or x whatever we call it now and mm. uh tiktok as well um we, we started on tiktok as well so and, and we'll probably be on rumble soon as well we're just looking at making that work too mm-hmm. yeah definitely go give those guys a follow go get, go check them out go support them they do a, a lot of great stuff i can't wait to be part of whatever draft you come up with yeah oh yeah so. we'll be in touch you're definitely coming you're definitely coming join oh. us for one of the one of the oh, drafts yeah, we've For got sure. like a, a huge long list. I think I've put about like 50 different topics. Um, but yeah, we've got everything from what did we what's on the list so we had um anything from you know from movies like movie sequels or best uh, Oscar uh, best picture winners, um TV shows and sporting sporting siblings, so sporting brothers and sporting sisters, um you know, food and drink related um yeah tv movie general life as well we've got one i think we're going to do this one quite early everyday 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 events that should be olympic sports so that should be quite fun and just stupid things like that so yeah oh man i want to do that one that one sounds fun yeah we'll we'll get you on some don't worry man (laughs) yeah well, well, Paul, thank you for joining me today. It was awesome having you on. Uh, for me, of course, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, on the mat on Tuesday, baseball show on Wednesday, and then, of course, this show will be back next Saturday. Uh, keep an eye on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, and I'll probably announce who the guest is going to be uh, sometime this week, so keep an eye on that. Um, other than that, any any last words, Paul, before we end off? Any no. th- other things you'd like to say? appreciate it thank you very much for for, for you know for, for for having us on and continuing to support support good teams and great teams cover it doesn't go unnoticed and it, and it certainly is appreciated and yeah hopefully we'll be back soon mm-hmm. guys thank you so much for watching hope you guys have a great rest of your saturday and a great rest of your weekend uh i'll be back on tuesday catch out the let's talk sports show on monday night uh, a bunch of other shows as well but until then love y'all stay safe have a great rest of your weekend Take care. Thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, let's talk sports, friends. Thanks for watching.